When I hear the words Renaissance man, I think back to learning about Leonardo da Vinci in history class, a man whose countless curiosities led him down the path of countless disciplines. Lately, I've devoured every piece of content, podcasts, articles, and tweets from Balaji. I can't help but describe him in the same light as da Vinci, a modern-day Renaissance man. In case you happen to live under a rock, here's a quick snapshot of his resume. Angel investor, serial tech founder, former CTO of Coinbase, general partner at A16Z, futurist, author of The Network State. But that's not why I admire Balaji's work. If you spend five minutes listening to the guy speak, you'll realize that he's a well-researched, articulate, independent thinker. And he's funny. I've curated six of Balaji's most thought-provoking reads. If you're fascinated by leveraging technology to sculpt a better future, this episode is for you. Number one, software is reorganizing the world. Excerpt, the SoundCloud engineer on a laptop in Berlin builds a deeper relationship with the VC in New York than the nearby Vivarian Bank. Takeaway, for our ancestors, America was the ultimate destination, the promised land of opportunity. Today, those seeking opportunity might not have to shift geographies at all. Technology is continuing to make location less relevant. Millions of people are finding their people online. Smartphones are making everything available at our fingertips, and travel is increasingly efficient. We're firmly in the middle of the remote work era. Balaji takes it a step further and introduces the idea of creating a new nation of emigrants. This piece marks the early days of the network state. Number two, 2020, the year the internet age truly began. Excerpt. It used to be that the physical world was primary and the internet was the mirror. Now that has flipped. Takeaway. This piece is a dialogue between Balaji and an Israeli politician discussing two blind spots that COVID revealed. Number one, we assume that the internet changed everything, but never noticed how education, healthcare, and government were largely unaffected by it. Then COVID happened. Teachers had to adopt online learning, parents adopted homeschooling, digital health services skyrocketed, and medicine started being delivered to homes. Outdated government processes became online first. For example, fighting a ticket on Zoom is now the norm. And then number two, nothing against sports, fashion, or video games, but we've overallocated on leisure and underallocated on the things that matter, like health. I actually argued a similar point in sober socializing, how more information may be leading us to making more conscious decisions about our health. Number three, the purpose of technology. Excerpt. The point of doing a startup, after all, is to build something you can't buy. Takeaway. YouTube democratized media. Refrigerators made our food last longer. WhatsApp increased communication. Technology is how we describe things that help us do more. Lifespans are finite. Someday, the music stops, unfortunately. That's why we're always looking for ways to do things faster, to not waste our time. But what if we could extend lifespans, or eliminate death altogether? Would saving time still be as valuable? Balaji argues that if the proximate purpose of technology is to reduce scarcity, the ultimate purpose of technology is to eliminate mortality.
Most of us aren't aware of the life-changing technologies that exist today, like the procedures proven to reverse aging. Yes, really. Why? Because technologists are so obsessed with building that they don't care about telling the world. We, collectively, need to start evangelizing technological progress. By getting people on the hype train, we motivate everything we do with a singular purpose, eliminating mortality. Biology hit us with the one-two punch here. Number one, instead of looking for faster band-aid solutions, attack the root cause, human mortality. Which begs the question, is mortality really something that can be solved? And number two, he's right. Hardcore technologists aren't the ones on Twitter or TikTok raving about their breakthroughs. We need to find a way to get people aware and on board with tackling the big problems. Number four, the ascending world. Excerpt. The recent introduction of billions of smartphones to places like India and Nigeria affords a mobile telescope, a way to evaluate talent worldwide. Takeaway. Balaji opens with the story of Ramanujan, a mathematician from India who was almost never discovered due to his poor upbringing. By a stroke of luck, a mathematician named G.H. Hardy received his letter, the OG cold email, and flew him out to London to meet. The existence of Ramanujan changed the face of mathematical research showing how we almost ignored the greatest talent due to a lack of a mechanism for discovery. Now, there are tons of examples of this level of greatness outside the Western world that simply don't get enough attention. This is going to change thanks to the accessibility that the internet and smartphones provide. Therefore, the terms developed country and developing country are obsolete because they imply an end state. In other words, is the U.S. done growing because it's characterized as a developed country? The new paradigm is all about ascending and descending parts of the world. I'll probably raise some eyebrows with this opinion, but two cities come to mind immediately. Miami and San Francisco. Despite parts of the city that are literally declining with rising sea levels, Miami's got a lot going for it. It's quickly becoming the crypto capital of America attracting top talent to its workforce and sending property values soaring. San Francisco, once the golden child of the U.S., is almost unanimously described as a shit show, no pun intended. The city is plagued by homelessness, crime, and a high cost of living. Number five, Bitcoin is civilization. Excerpt. If you care about free speech and privacy, if you care about free trade and rule of law, if you care about provable fairness and economic stability, then you should care about cryptocurrency. Takeaway. In this article, Balaji gives us 10 reasons why Bitcoin, and more broadly cryptocurrency, is a tool for Western values. Number one. In places with economic instability and authoritarianism, Bitcoin has been used by activists. For example, in Venezuela, Bitcoin is being used to fight inflation. Number two. Prominent investors, Druckenmiller, Paul Tudor Jones, are using Bitcoin as an inflation hedge, similar to gold in the Weimar Republic. Number three, decentralization guarantees access and fairness. DeFi protocols make the crypto banking system accessible without gatekeepers. Number four, with no central authority to moderate content, crypto's decentralized social networks protect free speech. Number five, 
Civil asset forfeiture is a controversial practice in which the police can seize your property without conviction or charging for a crime. Yeah, this is real. I looked it up. Crypto provides a solution. It's obviously harder to seize digital property. Number six, crypto, because of its inherent encryption, provides online privacy. Number seven, crypto is experiencing hypergrowth. It's the next Silicon Valley, as some have said. Number eight, smart contracts can provide surety and commitment. Contract enforcement is part of the protocol. Number nine, crypto can be a force for unity. Regardless of your political views or your geography, everyone in the same crypto network prospers or fails together. Number 10, international code-based order. Because the blockchain executes the same way regardless of territory, crypto should facilitate cross-border trade. I'm not sure how well some of these, like number two and number seven, hold up in Q4 of 2022, thanks to FTX, SBF, that whole situation, but Bology makes a compelling argument nonetheless. Number six, the network state. Excerpt. In a nation state, geography is primary, belief is secondary. In a network state, belief is primary, geography is secondary. Takeaway. Finally, Balaji's magnum opus. The culmination of the ideas he shared for years distilled into version one of an online book. Why reform a country when it's easier to build one from scratch? Something that doesn't rely on what already exists because that leads to fighting over resources. There are three conventional ways to start a country. Election, revolution, and war. Unfortunately, all of those suck. There are three unconventional ways to start a country. Micronations, seasteading, and space colonization. Unfortunately, these are mostly unproven or just flat-out foolish. Balaji proposes that the best way to do it is through something he calls network states. A network state starts with one commandment, a unifying idea that motivates people to build something bigger than themselves. A vegan society, for example, would outlaw all animal-based goods in favor of shitty-tasting foods instead. Just kidding. The state would begin as an online startup society, developing its own cryptocurrencies and laws enforced through smart contracts. Members would hang out first in VR settings, but then migrate to in real life once the society has crowdfunded the purchase of physical land. It's important to note that thanks to the hyper-connectivity of the internet, the physical land doesn't need to be contiguous. Now, once that society has reached a significant size, it may seek diplomatic recognition from the UN to become a full-on network state. Welcome to the future.